I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. And it reads, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Have your way, God. Bless me as I deliver your word. Restore my voice so you can be able to make yourself real to your people, Father. Send your word today, Father. All this we ask in your name, amen. As you say, take your seat. Thank you. As you take your seat, tell your neighbor, God is looking for you. Like, no, for real. Say, God's looking for you. God is looking for people that he can use. It's amazing because I, I, I mean, he's God. He would be able to take anybody and use them, right? But that's not how, that's not how God does it. He wants people to be ready. He wants people to be usable. He, um... I was told I had a, a two hours, so get settled in. I'm just kidding. Um, I wouldn't make it two hours. But God wants to use someone who's usable. God is searching for someone whose heart is very loyal to him, and those are the kind of people that God use. When we become usable in his sight, God will do absolutely amazing things through us. Some of the qualities that would help us become usable. First Timothy, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a lot of scriptures so you can write them down because we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of scriptures tonight. First Timothy four, chapter sixteen says in the Living Bible, keep a close watch on all that you do and think. Stay true to what is right, and God will bless you and God will use you to help others. Keep a close watch to what you do and think. Keep a close watch means that we must become relentless in evaluating ourselves. And what I mean by that is we evaluate ourselves, not our neighbors, ourselves, what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we say. If we stay true to what is right, God will use and bless us. And he will use us in a mighty way. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, am I usable? Are you usable? Are you flexible? Are you moldable? Moldable. Once we are refined and ready, God will begin to use us. Lamentations 3.40 says, let us examine our ways, let us test them, and let us return back to the Lord. I'm giving you a lot of scripture because that's his word. We have to declare that. What we need to do is ask ourselves, God, am I usable? And not what you wanted to do today or yesterday or tomorrow, but am I usable right now for what you want? God is looking for people who are holy Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with all men, to be holy, for without holiness, no one can see God. For without holiness, nobody can see God. Holiness, holiness really means that we live a consecrated life, that we aim to live a pure life, make every effort to live a pure life. Hebrews 12 says, make every effort to be consecrated, make every effort to be pure, make every effort to be sanctified in your heart and in your life. When the, Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, one of the characteristics that we know that he's there is we, 
We want to be different. We ought to want to be different. We ought to not want to do the same things that we've done before, go the same places that we were before, talk the same way we did before, act the same way we, we did before. But when the Holy Spirit's in our life, our wants change. Our desires change. We change. So we ought to want to be holy. Psalms 24.3 says, Who may ascend to the hills of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol, and who does not swear by what is false, he shall receive the blessings from the Lord. Right there, there's four characteristics to deal with holiness. Clean hands, a pure heart, one that does not lift up an idol, and one that does not swear by what is false. If you're holy, you will have clean hands. Clean hands means that you have a clear conscience. That doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. By all means, we're not perfect. The Bible says that we all fall short of his glory every day. But it just means that if we mess up, we have a short accountability to God. If we mess up, we're quick to repent. We're quick to say, God, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Renew in me a pure heart. Renew in me a, a clean spirit. It means we're quick to repent and ask for forgiveness for our sins. Because the Bible says, for as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of what? He is faithful and just to forgive us from all, his, all unrighteousness. So clear, clean hands equals a clean conscience. The second characteristic in there associated with holiness is a pure heart. A pure heart is what? Integrity. Integrity. Jeremiah 28, 10 says, Cursed be he that does the work of the Lord deceitfully. That's something that I take very, I take very, I don't take very lightly to do the work of the Lord and to be honorable about things. Because it says, Cursed be he. I wouldn't want to bring cursing to my family or to myself. So, one, the first one is, Clear hands is a clean hands equals a, cure, a clear conscience, and a pure heart equals integrity. The third characteristic that is associated with holiness is that we do not lift up a soul to an idol. He's talking here about humility. The one scripture that we most that we all kind of reference is what? Pride goes before a fall. Pride is something that God hates. Pride hates a God hates a proud look. Proud, pride was what got Satan kicked out of heaven. Pride is what got Pharaoh to lose his nation. So we must be aware of the power of pride that sneaks in and tries to set itself up within us. The Bible, uh, God talks about pride. That's the one thing. Well, that's not the one thing, but I mean, he doesn't like it. The fourth characteristic that associates with holiness is honesty. It says, so that we don't lift up an idol, that they don't swear by what is false. So that is honesty. Psalms 39.1 says, I will watch your ways and keep your, my heart from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. What did I say the other day? The ladies, we like to talk, right? So I don't know that I would, how I would do with the muzzle. But the Bible says, I will watch my ways and keep my heart from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth. One of the ways that we lose spiritual power is by talking too much, being too talkative, 
We lose spiritual power like that by saying the wrong things to the wrong people sometimes. The second kind of person God is looking for is a surrendered person, a person who is broken. He's looking for broken. God is looking for someone who is broken. Broken vessels represent something that is totally surrendered to God. God uses broken things. God takes us, he breaks us, he blesses us, and then he uses us. That's repeated throughout the scripture. God will take us, bless us, use, um, he will take us, he'll break us, he'll bless us, and he'll use us. The principle of brokenness is the, spirit, is the principle of being totally surrendered. And this, it's the place where you say, God, I just want what you want for my life. It's not my will, but your will. If you don't want me to have it, I don't want it. If you didn't give it to me, I don't want it. God cannot use you to your fullest extent until we're completely broken. Until you can say, Father, it's not my will, but it's yours. The sad scenario most of the time is to get complete brokenness, we have to go through a crisis. I don't know why we do that. We have to go through something in order to get complete brokenness. But it's kind of like the same crisis as Samson, I would say. Samson, they cut off his hair. They gouged his eyes. His hair was his strength. His eyes was his vision. And he was completely broken. But then God honored Samson for his faithfulness, for his brokenness. The third type of person God is looking for is a believing person. Hebrews 11:6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. How many things have we done this week without faith? We do it on our own. Most of us have that kind of faith that we try God instead of trust God. That we say, okay, God, here, I'll give it to you. But then when it's not fast enough, we take it back. Or we say, okay, God, it's in your hands, but let me help you out. I know, I did it, I do it. I'm, I'm real, I'm human. You know, where we went through a situation and it's like, okay, God, I know why we have to trust you. But then we turn around and say, but God, you're not moving fast enough. Like, let me help you out. He doesn't need our help. But we try God instead of trusting God. Real faith takes risk. risk. Real faith says, I don't know how the world how in the world I'm going to get through this, but I'm going to move forward anyway. There is no growth in your comfort zone. So when we're in a comfort zone, there is no growth. Growth and comfort cannot coexist together. Whether you are believing God for something big, you have to keep pressing forward. The fourth type of person he is looking for is a foresighted person. People who are not so consumed with the past that they forget their future. He's looking for people who will fix their eyes on Jesus. Sometimes we're so busy today, worried about what we got to do today that we don't think about our future. We don't think about the promises that God has had before us and has set before us. I think sometimes that's why some, some of us are so depressed. 
I'm not. We're not here. But other people, our coworkers. That's why. Because we have the joy of the Lord. Amen. So we don't have time for depression. I love where it says I'm too blessed to be stressed. Because we are. We're so blessed. We have no, no room for stress. But I sit there and I see sometimes and I hear at work where people say, God, I'm so stressed out. I'm like, how? How can you be stressed out? I mean, I, I, I guess you can. But that's when you fall back on your knees and say, God, here I am. Use me. Mold me. Make me. Make me usable. Flex. You know, you're the potter and I'm the clay. But when I say that, are we really? Do you really say that you're the potter and I'm the clay? Do you really want God to break you? I say that because we went through a situation, and I know I've shared it before. But when God broke us, it was very hard. It was very hard. When, when you're totally broken and vulnerable, and you run around town, because I did, crying out to God saying, why? I know that wasn't what I was supposed to do, but that's what I did. But we fell on our knees, and we said, God, he, he, this is in your hands. You use it. You do what we gave him to you. You mold him and make him in what you want him to be. That's stepping out in faith and moving forward. That is calling those things that be not as though they are. That is declaring his word and being persistent. And those are hard things to do. They're hard things to do when, when you're going through something and when you're broken. When you have to totally trust and rely on God. It's easy to stand up here and say it now. <coughs> Sorry. It's easy to say, you know, I trust God. I trust God. It's easy to say that when, when everything's going good. It's a little tougher. It's not... It's a little tougher to say it when we're in the valley, right? But God is looking for a person, a foresighted person, someone who wants to see their future, see ahead. The other, another person that God is looking for, the other type of person God is looking for is a persistent person. People who refuse to give in. People who refuse to quit. God is going to use people who are persistent people who are determined, people who know in order to qualify for the benefits, they have to hang around long enough. And when I wrote that, it was so funny because I thought about work. You know, like at work, um, when you get hired, you have to wait, was it 60, 90 days? 90 days, I think, six months, something like that, before you get insurance. <laughs> it's like you have to hang around in order to get the benefits of actually working. You have to work 30 days before you get your first check. Who wants to do that? You don't want to, right? But you know eventually your check's coming. You know it's going to come in 30 days. It'll be there. Unless you miss a day and then you got to wait another 15 days. But it's coming. And we know that, right? So God wants a persistent person. Someone who's going to be persistent for him. They that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. That's persistence. Waiting upon God. Asking him to renew your strength. At a very young age, I think I was about 16, I was told that I had an ovarian cyst in my right ovary. And um, I had to have it taken, removed. And I was told that it would be very difficult for me to carry a child full term. 
because my living conditions weren't the best for my child. And I was 16, so I didn't really care about having children back then because I was active in the ministry and I was doing missions and I was, you know, going places and I was young. I didn't want a baby then. When the second tumor came, I was in my 20s. I just graduated Bible school and I had to undergo surgery. And it was at that time, again, here I say, I trusted God, but I tried him. I said, God, I know you're going to heal me, but I had a backup plan in case I didn't have a baby. My backup plan was my sister was supposed to be my surrogate. I had a backup plan. When I met JR, first thing I told him was, there might be a chance that I would never be able to carry a child. And he said, that's okay, we already have one. But it was so hard for me because it was something that every woman knows you want to be a mother. You know, in the Bible, Sarah wanted to be a mother. She yearned, yearned to be a mother. In the Bible, if you couldn't have a child, it was like God didn't deem you worthy. And for me, I was young. I was doing missionary work. I'd go to orphanages in different countries, seeing all these children. And to think that those people had these children and gave them up, but I might not be able to carry one of my own was very difficult for me. The most recent surgery I had was last year when I took out, when we had my third, my third tumor came. And we removed that one. And everything was good. It was benign, praise the Lord. And everything was good. But at that time, after my husband and I got married, first thing I told him was, I want to get pregnant. I want a baby. And, of course, moms being moms, my mom said, wait three months because people in the church, you don't want them to talk. And I said, well, okay, I'll wait three months. But uh, I wanted a baby. I wanted a baby. I wanted to test God. And I did. I said, Lord, you promised me that if I seeked you first in your kingdom, all these things would be added unto me. Your word said that I was more than a conqueror, that I was the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that everything my hands touch would prosper. You promised me that no weapon formed against me would prosper. You promised me, and I, I wrote every promise. I have a journal, and I wrote everything down, and I would write it, and I would declare it. I was persistent. I was persistent because I wanted a baby. I wanted a baby written. I wanted a son. I wanted a boy. That's what I wanted. That was the desires of my heart. Three months, ironically, ironically, Richard and I played Joseph and Mary, Mary and Joseph, um, for the Christmas play, and I didn't realize, I didn't know I was pregnant already. It wasn't until two weeks later that we found out. So don't play Mary and Joseph, just saying. <laughs> so we found out that I was, I was pregnant, and I was so excited. And 26 weeks into my pregnancy, I was sitting like right there by that pillar. I was doing media right there. And the pastor said, everybody to stand up so we could dismiss. And as I stood up, I felt this really bad sharp pain in my stomach. And it made me fall back into my chair. 
Dr. Richard was on this side, and I just sat there and waited till everybody left. Called him over, and I said, I, I got to go to the hospital. He took me to the hospital, 26 weeks. And the doctor reiterated the same things that they told us from the beginning. Your living conditions are not the best for your child. You might not ever carry him full term. And with my in-laws, my husband and my parents, we sat there and put our hands on my baby. He was my baby, not ours. He was mine. Put him, I put my hands on the baby and I said, Lord, on, the bell, on my belly, and I said, Lord, you didn't bring me this far. You didn't give me this seed to take him away. You promised me that you would perfect that which concerned me. And this is my concern, that I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to have a child. You promised, and you're faithful to your word. So we prayed. We left. They told me to have bed rest, and as much as I could, I stayed in bed. The day came where we were at the house, and I told Joe Richard, I said, um, you better, we got to clean. We got to clean, meaning you got to clean. We got to clean from top to bottom, because we're going to the doctor, and I have a feeling we're not coming home. And he said, we still have a couple weeks to go. I said, no, we got to clean, because I have a feeling we're not coming home. We showed up to the doctor appointment. Sure enough, they said, walk on over. You're going to have this baby. And I said, okay. So we went over, and we got um, everything situated, and here came my baby. And he was perfect. He was whole, healthy, and healed just like I asked God for. So my son, my son was my promise. He was my miracle baby. He was everything that I had asked God for. It was hard. It was a hard road going through that, being persistent. And don't get me wrong, in, in this whole situation, I had a backup plan. And I trusted God, but I tested him. It was like I... I I, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry because you're faithful to your word. So when I had him, I just remember I, I wouldn't even bring him to church. It was like three months, I think, before we would bring him to church because I didn't want no one to touch him or smell him or anything. I was real chief lava with him. Um, I really was because he was my baby, and I didn't want no one to, you know, breathe on him. We would walk in late and leave early, and it was real silly. But he was my baby. He was my son. And he was God's, my, my promise. And I remember when he was born, up until he was born, what I would do is I would put, because I was at home by myself all day, I would put headsets of worship songs on my stomach. And it was so funny because he would move certain parts of the worship. And now he's such a worshiper. We laugh because he memorizes every song, and there's no song that he doesn't know the words to. But it's something when you worship, and when you sit there and you thank God for what he's done, and you worship in the midst of what you're doing, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your trials, and you worship. And that's what we did with Micah. Another test came with Micah because Micah, I mean, like I said, he was my firstborn, so he was real. He has my heart. We were persistent with him. And two years ago, we had to be persistent with him again. When the doctors came out of nowhere and said he had Tourette's, 
Tourette's, I didn't know what Tourette's was. We don't say that word around him. The doctor said it once around him, and after that we told the doctor to never say it again because we weren't going to declare that over his life. We said, we're not going to accept that. And the doctor told us that this is what he had, and this is what was going to happen, and this is how, what we needed, and this was the medication and the neurologist. And, and it broke my heart to see him do these uncontrollable movements that we couldn't help him. And Sir Richard and I would sit down in his room every night, every night. To this day, we still do it. But we would sit in the floor in his room as he would sleep. And we would pray over him. And him and Josiah, but we would pray over him and we would say, God, we gave him to you at a baby when he was born. And we said, use him. Do what you want with him. And if this is part of his testimony, then so be it. But God, just give, it, give us peace about this situation. Because it was hard to say that prayer. Because we prayed, God, fix it. We prayed, God, remove it. We prayed, God, take it away. And then our prayer was like, wait a second. We gave him to God. God knows what he's doing. We don't need to pray, take it away, fix him, heal him, do this. We just need to say, God, do what you want with him. Use him the way you're going to use him. Make it be a part of his testimony. And out of nowhere, to this day, they can't go, I mean, you can ask Jaleesa, they can't go to bed without screaming, come pray for me. Because they pray for themselves, but they still want us to go in and pray for them. We do it because we're persistent. We're persistent with our boys. We're persistent with our daughter. We're persistent with them. We declare every single time you pray, over yourself, anoint yourself, pray blessings over yourself. Use scripture, because scripture is the word. There's no way to pray wrong if you're praying with scripture. Using scripture, and sometimes it doesn't need a big old long prayer. It's just like, I'm real. I'm real with God. Just like, God, help me. This is what we're going through. Use me. Tell me how to fix this. What do I need to do? Because I don't know what to do. And God has always been faithful. The Bible says he is faithful to us. He is faithful and just. He's going to be there for us at all times. So the different types of characteristics that God is looking for is for us to be usable, for us to be persistent, for us to surrender ourselves to him so he can mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. And it's easy to say, yes, this is what I want. But when you say that, it comes with a cost sometimes. When you say, God, I'm ready, use me, it comes with cost. It, it, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. Life's not easy. Marriage isn't easy. Raising children's not easy at all. But we're persistent. And we keep God in the center of that. And as long as you keep God in the center and focus on him, he is faithful to us. And he will be faithful to us. So my question for you is, are you usable? Will you surrender yourself to God? Will you be persistent tonight? I'm going to ask Brother Josh to come forward. I just thank God that I was able to talk 
30 minutes, yay. My voice, I swear. As the devil, Sister Pam and I were talking this morning. Sister Pam has had some lower back pain. <coughs> and I said, Pam, you pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. I'll pray for you so that you can walk and you pray for me that I can talk. <laughs> so she said, amen, sister, we're going to stand in agreement. So we did. Ironically, we were praying in shorties. It was all right. We were in the middle of shorties by the buffet line, and we prayed. But um, it doesn't matter where you pray. But um, God is looking for us. He's looking for you. He's looking to use you. So I'm going to ask Brother Josh if he'll play some worship. And if you want, come to the altar and just talk to the Lord. And just ask God what he wants for your life right now in this season. What, what he wants to do with you. Not what you want. But what is it that he wants for your life?